Good morning. Welcome to Trust the Journey. She's Melanie Curtis. <laughs> and he's Jason Maletsky. And we are here to create conscious connections, to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust. Trusting the entire journey. Amen. Oh my gosh. All right, team, if you want to find us on the internet, go to trustthejourney.today. That's also our handle on Instagram. And if you would like to join us in the Trust the Journey family, where we expand the conversation and the connecting and the supporting each other, just scroll down on the website, click on Patreon and donate at any amount, and that will get you into our crew. So yeah, right on, family. Thank you so much for being with us, whether this is your first episode or your your many episodes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, here we go. Yeah. Speaking of many episodes, yeah. I got a call from one of our family members last night, uh, just a random voicemail shouting out to say, hey, I've been catching up on the shows and it's really good to hear all the stuff that's going on. And it's just really awesome to get that kind of feedback, you know, um, yeah. people out there that, that are on the journey with us. And so if you're listening, welcome to our journey. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah. Very, very uh, grateful for your participation and for your uh, deciding to reach out and, and join us. That's oh, so true. So true. We love everybody. And uh, I'm excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today, even though I don't really know what I'm going to say, <laughs> but I think that's kind of the best. But just for people taking in this episode, we're, we've decided today to talk about change. And that's it. That's really kind of the only prompt we gave ourselves. So I'm excited to see where this one goes. I want to talk about the love everybody. <laughs> well, I mean, that's yeah. like, duh. That's yeah. something that hasn't changed. <laughs> so this has happened to me a couple times in the last couple of months. And it was very noteworthy because, especially of the times that we're in with COVID and how physical social distancing is, is a really prevalent thing. We're not making physical contact with random individuals, with the people we see every day, especially with strangers, you know, we're keeping this space. And so the love everybody thing has been kind of in a very disjointed type of way where it's not how we usually operate and kids don't get it and they don't care and they just love everybody. And I walked into a restaurant a few weeks ago and this kid came around the corner and just slammed a hug on me. Oh. She just she just charged and she threw her arms around my thigh because she was only <sighs> as high as my thigh and she just clamped onto my thigh and she just gave me the biggest loving it's like oh. like I love you so much and I'm like oh, I Just a that. random kid? Random kid, somebody's <sighs> kid, you know? And I was just I like I love oh, that. Oh, I needed that <laughs> hug so bad. I've been mean, so <laughs> missing this contact. Yes. And then I, it happened again the other day. I was with my one of my family members at flight 1. I stopped in for a visit and he opened the front door and his son just charged and slammed me right in the legs and threw his arms around. He's like, "Hi." You know, and I'm like, "Oh, you kids, you're the best. We need to take more lessons from you. Oh, my God, I know. If we're talking about change and we're talking about love everybody, I would say the way that has changed is that it is ever expanding. <laughs> At least for me, I feel like, yeah, it's on the ups. Tell me more. Tell me more. What's ever expanding? Yeah, I feel like it just me that to me means the more that I grow and just heal and open my consciousness and lean into the lenses that I believe of one one love of us being all connected of those things. Anytime I see that interrupted or the disconnection that might come from a thought around separation, all, all those kinds of things we've touched on a bunch of times, I feel like that's just, it's a practice of just clearing away those thoughts that would create 
perceptible separation and the pain that comes with that. So it's just like, it's just part of my mental practice to really watch for those things where my old mindsets would have me believe that. And then I practice going, nope, that's, that's really not, not real. <laughs> you know, we're all connected and this might be a challenging situation or da, 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 da or whatever. But I bring myself back to we are connected. This is love. This is for me. This is for them. This is for so those things. That's what I mean. So like just the clearing, the incremental clearing away of those of those blocks. Did, did you get a chance to listen to a recent episode of um, Timothy uh, Ferris, Tim Ferris? With Rabbi Sachs, Lord yeah. Rabbi Sachs. Did you listen yeah, to that one? I yeah. Did, yeah. So do you hear when he was talking about um, the conceptual I versus we concept mm-hmm. and whether we think as an individual or whether we think collectively and how he said he had actually gone and used Google search engines to track the occurrences of the word I and the word we in writing and he saw that there was a parallel up until about a hundred years ago and then at that time there started to be a divergence and the word I started to become more prevalent in the writing and he said it's especially noteworthy that in that there are certain countries like Britain and like the US where the the word I the, the country operates under an I mentality rather than a we mentality and that these are the countries that really struggled with the love everybody kind of things like to do with COVID is a great example where you're like, okay, I have to operate where everybody else is more important than I am in this scenario because it's about not knowing and you just have to take this certain approach that says, yeah, the other man's needs have to be put ahead of my own. And it was really interesting to see the relationship between how cultures put forward the concept of we or the concept of I and how that's changed over the years and how it's not always the same thing. And I think that where you see that, I bet if you, I bet if we had a closer look at it in a greater detail, and I would be love to find somebody who actually knows like uh, if there's like a, a, what do you call this? An analyst out there who likes to do the research if we look back in recent history, I would not without a doubt say that the relevance of we is going to come up following tragedy. Yeah. Like whenever there's a big, serious trauma like world wars or, you know, natural disasters, that people are going to come back together and we're yeah. going to be much more we oriented and that, that ebb and flow of I versus we is going to change depending on, you know, where we're coming from, so. Yeah. I love that idea because I think that's <laughs> probably spot on. I would be not surprised to hear that being the case, both from necessity and then from re-realization. You know what I mean? So like if you're operating in the I, like me, 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 the sort of self-focus, there's a, there's a lot of pain in that. There's a lot of I would imagine perceptible power control in the sense that we don't have to worry about other things. We just can control this sort of small unit, AKA ourselves, whatever. But that so it leaves out so much when we are self-focused and it, it causes so much pain. And so like, I think what you're pointing to is the, when we are forced, whether it's through crisis whether it's a big crisis in humanity or whether it's a big crisis in our own individual lives where we require support, you know, where like maybe we're having a major emotional experience. There's a death in the family. There's a divorce. There's a, you know, we lose our job, like something that could be deemed very singular, but it is an ex- but it is a crisis as we are concerned Theoretically, in those times, we learn, at least I have, that that is when we really, it it becomes clear that we need other people, that we need support. And I say that in a positive sense, need, like that when 
people support us, when we feel that sense of community, that sense of we are not alone in this, that we are never meant to do this alone, that we're in this together, that we have each other's backs, that's such a powerful usually such a powerful experience for people to re-realize that. It definitely was for me. I'll take a, I'll take a cue to speak on my own experience there. And so I've spent a lot of my life rolling as a lone wolf where, you know, I had disconnected myself from my family and I moved to another country and purposefully didn't keep very much contact with my blood family and for long periods of time I was single and I would take care of myself and it was very much I and didn't really want or need to have anybody else in my life needed to have a period of just being rolling solo and the the family aspect, the team aspect, that collective union, the we side of that, uh, it was always very present for me with the Sky family, with the skydiving and base jumping people who have this, we love to fly together. And uh, if you've been in the sky together, then you're part of the family and you get it kind of approach to things and immediately welcome anybody in who decides to you know, join the life in the sky. And I always cherish it so much and valued it so much. And I, and I, I put that family forward as my own and said, this is my, these are my people and this is my tribe. Right. Yeah. And I always still do. I'm still extremely proud to see the, the open, the love, everybody, the, the curiosity, the creativity, the uh, authenticness, the ego shedding, the just the the rich reality of the people who embrace a lifestyle that you know is a it's a high risk lifestyle and it's a mind opening. It changes our perspective, right? Like the I think the thing about that family is that once you get to see the world from a higher point of view, a hot, literally a different perspective. You get to see how insignificant everything is that we usually think is so important or that we try to make so important. Once we see it from a better vantage point, we say, ah, that doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't know that stuff matters. All that matters is our friends and our family and having fun and being there to hold each other when we need to cry and all the things, you know, that mm -hmm. are, are really good about being together. And I learned so much about that from from family, from sharing and connecting. And one thing that I, I'm going to bring this back around is that yes. what's changed for me is I've reconnected a lot with my blood family over the last few years and found that, that I really do cherish a lot of that connection, but, it, but there is a lot of change in it. You know, there's a lot of not being the same set of values, not being the same reasons why that I value that or that I need that. That's, I think that's probably the biggest piece is the choosing into why do I choose to engage these relationships and what's the value that's coming out of them. So, I just yeah. have to call out that as you were saying about how you cherish your, your family, that the sun came up and started to shine on your face. True. And it was beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. I'm like, oh. Gosh, I love that. The reason, I mean, partly uh, it's cool to hear you share about that because I was, you know, thinking about that myself, how I did a similar thing with my family where I focused very fully on skydiving. I moved. I really was the sort of person. I, I don't think black sheep is the right term for me per se at all because I've always loved my family. <laughs> but yeah, go it's ahead. It's the psychedelic sheep. <laughs> There you go. That was much later in my life too, though. But still, but the the realization, the change of mindset, and uh, it could be realization, but then with that realization of feeling far away from my family, feeling like I had deprioritized them for a long, long time, and just simply chosen away from them, it was important to me to 
to change that, to really actively, I've written about it a bunch of times in my column. It's been an evolutionary sort of process, you know, a changing process as I figured out how to include myself in my family's lives and them in mine. And yeah, it was, it was hard at first to undo those habits of, I'm just going to book my calendar completely full. I'm just going to say yes to every single job and I'm going to never, ever make time to go home and see them and, you know, that type of stuff. Obviously, for me, it ended up such that I made a bigger choice to move back to the Northeast to be closer to my family, which I'm so glad I did. And that was, what, four or five years ago now. But I'm so glad I did that. Like, that's one of the things that was a big change in terms of how I approached my life, uh, but one that was important to me in a deeper sense and has proven such in the level of happiness and fulfillment I experience in my life now. I'm happy for you. Thank you. I'm all kinds of changed lately. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. I want to hear about where you're sitting, too. Yeah, so this podcast is being brought to you from my van. <laughs> you're getting so podcast voicey. Very awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very puffy-eyed this morning. My eyes are very puffy because it's super early. The sun wasn't up yet when we started right. recording. And I had a very, very rough night of sleep last night, so I really didn't get much rest at all. And I don't know why I didn't sleep well. I couldn't, couldn't quite figure that out. But where am I is I'm on a mesa um, just north of Moab, Utah, um, out in a dispersed camping area, which is BLM land, Bureau of Land Management. And so there's a bunch of other vans and RVs and tents and trucks and campers and stuff all tucked in the hedges and the, the scrub and everything in the little hills around here. And there's a mountain, uh, mountain view to my left and then there's big sheer face cliffs to my right and yeah, outdoors in the beauty of nature and I'm really happy to be having some cooler temperatures the nights are chilly you know and the air is fresh my sinuses are a little hurting dealing with <laughs> going from 100 percent humidity to very low humidity right it's given me a workout um on the body but yeah so now i'm full-time van life Yay. i'm living in my van down by the river <laughs> and your hair and your headband totally work yeah this is my th okay so for anybody who can see, this is like my dandelion look, right? This is what I do when I have zero time for any kind of prep in the mornings, and I'm especially in my outdoor act. So the reason I went with this is like when I'm outdoor active, it does not matter what my hair looks like. No, it does not. It does not matter because it's just going to be soaked in sweat anyways or helmet exactly. head or whatever. So it does not matter. So what I usually do is I just take my buff. I pull it over and cover my ears because they need to stay warm. My, my forehead needs to not get burned and they need to stay warm. And then I get this lovely tuft of hair, <laughs> which I'm growing my hair out now. So it's ever accentuated. <laughs> nice. If it's any <laughs> consolation, it looks like I may have done my hair. But really what happened is I did my hair yesterday and today I woke up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I literally did nothing to my hair. I literally just woke up and it's probably like all you know, all messed up in the back from sleeping. That's awesome. That's how I roll. Don't care. Zoom life. Talk about change. So Zoom change. Life. Change is I sold my house. Yep, keep going. I packed everything up. I put all my stuff into a shipping container and shipped it across the country. And so now I'm going to have my belongings in a storage unit. Um, one's going to have like deep storage and the other one's going to have things that I'm going to use. So I've put all my 
uh, toys, basically, all my living living life items into clear bins and labeled everything because I'm super OCD. And now I've got a whole bunch of shelves and racks and all the bins are going to go on the racks and they're going to be in the storage unit so I can go in and get winter stuff or I can go get climbing stuff or I can go get skydiving stuff or whatever things I want to, to be able to use. I have them sorted out and readily available. And then I've got my van and I've got a trailer. I've got lots of things to play with, paddle boards, base rigs, paragliders, podcasting equipment, exactly. DJ gear, you name oh. it, cameras. It's amazing. So play so every cool. day, work every day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what, like, so do you, is your schedule similar as if, like, you were in your home in Deland, where you had yes. some days focused on flight one, other days focused on other things? What, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm now what you would call a digital nomad mm -hmm. um, because I've been able to work from home 99% of the time already. It's all I had to do was make my home mobile mm -hmm. and make sure I have the services such as this to be able to do a Zoom call, to be able to use the internet, and to be able to operate from my van. And so yesterday, okay, this is awesome. I got to tell you my mega breakthrough. I was so proud of myself yesterday. Like... I completely MacGyvered something up that I just was like, I've been dancing a little jig all day because it worked out so good. I love it. So Say more. I'm, I'm in the passenger seat of my van and I have my laptop and microphone sitting on a computer desk right in front of me. And the computer desk is one that was given to me as a gift and it's a folding travel stand-up computer desk so it has like one two three legs that go in like a z shape mm -hmm. and it you just sit, sit it on a desk or a table and it brings your laptop up higher and i was able to figure out i was sitting here and i'm scratching my head i'm like man i really wish i could have a desk right here and i'm like oh i got it and i was able to rearrange the configuration of the legs and get them to hook into the dash and everything and so it now is just hanging in space it's amazing. I'll send you a picture. But I I'm, love it. I was so happy about it. I couldn't even take it down. I just drove around all day just looking at it, just smiling. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, yes, that's awesome. Like that right there is my office. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That van really does have a lot of different nooks and crannies and functions. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's yeah. so cool. And and that's such a great, I mean, talking about change again, It's it's so great that you you had the feeling, the calling to want to do this, to make this change in your life, because it's a pretty big change to decide to sell your home and leave the place where you've lived and had roots for a long time. And to, I mean, maybe not, it's maybe not a big deal for you because you've traveled and moved so much that moving and being mobile isn't that big of a thing potentially for you. But even just again, selling the home and deciding to make such a big change. Not that you can't go back. You know what I mean? We always could choose to go back if we change our mind, you mm -hmm. know? It's still, it's something I think I want to, I, I just want to acknowledge because change, whether we choose it or whether it comes to us unexpectedly, we it, it comes with stress. It comes with, you know, this idea of anxiety, fears, and just discomfort, even when we're wanting it. So I just, I really acknowledge that you made this happen for yourself. It's super cool. Thank you. You know, it, it was a hard decision. You know, I'll have to, I have to be honest. I have to put it forward for anybody who's like listening and thinking, yeah, I've been wanting to change. I've been wanting to do this. I've been wanting to do that. I thought about this for years years, mm -hmm. probably four years. I've been chewing on the idea of like, what am I going to do? I even tried like going on some road trips and like tried staying somewhere else and visiting with friends out of, out of city and trying to figure it out. And eventually the only way that I could really make it work for myself to feel the energetic shift that I really needed to feel was to pull the roots up to like completely detach from the patterns that I had ingrained in the decades leading up to now. So in selling off my house and letting go of that anchor or pulling the anchor up, I've now given myself a wave of freedom. Like I really could tell 
immediately how much better I felt to not be connected there to have that like of course I, I I can go back anytime I want I've been going to Florida my whole life I started going when I was like four or five years old I started going back for other reasons when I was 10 or 12 and then more reasons when I started skydiving so for sure I'll be back there to work to visit to play and will I ever live there again I don't know probably not I kind of hope not I don't really want to because I get out here where I like it and in the mountains and in the big sky and where there's a uh where there's a view all around and i feel so much better immediately the energy level comes up enthusiasm level comes up and the kind of zest for life returns that's amazing that's so good so i want to add the the one thing that i think kind of lay lay at the root of it all Mm -hmm. is that inner voice that instinct down inside that's like you need to change this you got to you got to make a move you got to do something like that little voice that's that's been nagging at me for years i finally listened to it you know and finally let it be the priority over top of all the other things that i can easily push ahead of it and i think that's the the main piece of that whole discussion is saying yeah there's these changes i want to make for myself and they're for me but there's all these other things that i use as excuses for why i can't make that change or right Mm -hmm. and i'm too busy i've got too much work to do i need to finish this project right and it's only me making the excuses to me yeah isn't that weird don't you think uh, it's weird how we do that? Like, it's not I'm telling my boss or my wife or whatever. I'm right, just making, my, right. I'm giving myself the excuse. Well, I think that speaks very powerfully to the inherent knowing of the discomfort and change. <coughs> you know what I mean? Like pulling something up by the root is, a is as we well know in our deep healing experiences and stuff, that is hard work. You know what I mean? It and, and even if we have the cathartic freedom feeling at some point, there are always lessons that come with the change. There's always discomfort that comes. There's always things that we don't expect. And there's, you know, inside of that unknown, which is inherent in change and inherent in life, I think it's it's a powerful thing to step away from the known. You know what I mean? So I think it makes sense it really logically makes sense that our ego, our inner voice that is driven by fear and wanting the control would drive us to not step into those spaces where we feel it is unknown or where we lose the control we've cultivated over whatever number of years and whatever scenarios. So I would say no, it's not weird. But I know what you were saying and asking the question. Like, it would be nice if we didn't have that fear voice. If It would be nice if we could just really be connected to our intuition and feel peace and trust in it. You know what I had coming up as you were speaking there? I was thinking about the, uh, the concept of pulling something up by its roots. I can think of the times when I've actually repotted a plant like taking the plant out of the current pot that it's in, out of the soil that it's in, whatever the substrate that it's in, and moving it to another place where I'm like, this plant's probably going to do better over here. And then you give it its new home and its new soil and new new set of nutrients, and all of a sudden the plant just flourishes, you know? And that's a really awesome analogy for what change can do for us. And how it can serve us in a way where, you know, we have our comfort zone, we've got our pot, we've got our soil, we've got everything that takes care of us that makes sure that we're, we're looked after. It's our home, but we're not going to die if we just take that all away. You know, we just have to make sure we replace them with other things that are going to serve the same purposes and hopefully do a better job of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The irony, the, it's funny, as I hear you talk about your life change, I, it's, of course, difficult not to contemplate my own parallel stuff and how they are oddly mirrored in the sense that I lived in small spaces for a long time and and I I made the change to move into bigger spaces like this current 
current place where I live is much bigger than the last apartment, which is much bigger, which not was much bigger, but was bigger than the part, the apartment before that stuff like that. And it was very clear for me moving into this current place where I live that was exactly what you were talking about, the potted plant situation, where when I got into this place, it was notable how I was able to really start to flourish, you know, and start to, ah, cool. And at the same time, not relative to the apartment, but it was in the same town where I had had this pattern of thinking and feeling like moving was the like answer for newness or there's where that's where the possibility is going to be. What I hadn't experienced in a long, long time was sticking, was actually sticking for a while to giving myself to my community, to actually creating community where I live. And so that was a big change also that I intentionally brought into my life in with the goal of undoing those habits that were great. I'm not even saying it's a problem. I love that I have the access in my life experience. Did you just jump your coffee? Something. No, I just broke something. I leaned on it and it came apart. I'm like, oops, oops. I'm interrupting Melody's conversation here. No, it's all good. But where I'm going with this is that I'm really glad that I have the comfort and the ease when I'm in motion, when I'm traveling. I'm so glad that I have that. And I'm really glad, too, that I'm now in a sort of phase of life and a a chosen intentional life experience different than that, where it is less travel, where I am creating, I'm leaning into building relationships where I live physically. Like, that's a big deal for me. That is something I've just literally had never done until I moved here. Yeah. The the settling down and staying in a community is something I would think that that's where most people are most familiar. You know, the majority of people are fairly rooted and have had time in a community long enough to get that, what you're talking about there. And I can relate where I was also the other way, where I was very nomadic for a very long time. And I always cherished the community, but it was always very short-lived. It had a seasonal aspect rather than, you know, decades or generations or lifetimes. And... I've really enjoyed the time that I've spent in Deland. You know, I've been in Deland since 2002. So I spent 18 years consecutively living there as my address. Wow. And so that's a really long time for me to do that for. And I mean, the amount of time that I traveled inside of that 18 years was probably nine years worth Mm -hmm. or close to it with all the travels combined. So it hasn't been anchored in you know, being in one place every single day of the year, it's had a lot, I've had a lot of movement around, but I have always enjoyed moving. I've always enjoyed that changing scenery. And I really thought about that on the drive out here as I watched the scenery go by. And I think I've mentioned this before, but I'll say it again for anybody who's listening, the road trip and just, just just watching the road go by, just watching the scenery change, watching the cultures change, watching the backdrop of society change and what people do and why they do it and how they do it and the actual geography, the climate, having all those things change and transition outside the window, it it gives me peace of mind. I, I enjoy diversification and it brings me uh, a sense of like, oh... I'm not stuck, you know, I have, I can change. If the outside can change, I can change. And Mm -hmm. if there are parts of me that I'm unhappy about, which there inevitably always will be. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. The joys of human. The joys of being human. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. Always imperfect. Always having things to struggle with. Then... If I can see that change is possible in the greater sense, in the macro, then change can be possible in the micro. And I think that for me, it's a motivator. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Yeah. It's such a, it's a, it's an interesting thing. The whole change is the only constant. 
Yes. You know, like change is the only constant. So do you want to know one of my theories around that? Yes, I do. So we have some numbers that are called irrational numbers, right? Numbers that don't ever finish. So numbers like pi and phi, right? And these are numbers that describe uh, a curve, right? They describe a curve. And so a curve that is ever-changing, a way that you could think about that, like the, the, the number phi, 1.681, blah, 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 and infinitely rolling through the nine or ten digits that we have to play with, whether you count zero as a digit or not. It They roll, right? And so it's always just putting another number after it. And what's cool about that is that <clears throat> the number is considered irrational because it never ends. And so it never ends means it always changes. It continually changes. It gets like, it just can infinitely, there's yeah. another number to add on to the end. And my belief is that what mathematics is telling us here or how mathematics is sharing the nature of the universe through these simple explanations is time, the time itself being ongoing and evolution being something that is always taking place. And when I say evolution, I'm referring to change. I'm referring to the next better version or the next strongest version or the next hardier version or the one that survives. The surviving version is the result of evolution. And this evolution is a is the nature of the universe. The nature of the universe is to change, is to evolve, is to continually infinitely going on forever and so the example's right there in front of us we look at the number like well if the number never ends then it's showing us the path and it's the same shape that makes up the galaxies that that fee curve that golden ratio curve mm-hmm. it's right there in the nature of all that is so that's my deep thoughts for uh, change. no i i love it because i think those Connecting to those deep thoughts, connecting to those sort of universal truths, as it were, it, I think it helps us a lot in the micro, in the sense that if I think about when I am resistant to change, my mind is closed, yeah. right? I'm, uh, you know, when I am unconscious to resistance and change where I am maybe gripped to a certainty, you know, that this is what I will do. This will be my work or this will be how I live my life or whatever. Like it could be anything that we are feeling certain about. Like I say this a lot, but I really... I reflect on this, the comfort found in certainty fairly often because both for my own self and my own growth and for the growth and reflection with my clients that I work with as a life coach. But when we are open to change, when we are open to change, we have an open mind such that we can take in and and process with a positive energy with a positive mindset the i the potential opportunities that come our way and i what i think about for me personally how this manifested in my life is a, the good example is if i in my break where i took a break from skydiving and I was two years jumping and I had I still had an open mind relative to skydiving. I didn't feel like, oh, I'm done. I'm never jumping again. There, and there was never a day that I thought that. I was like, maybe if that's how it goes, then that's fine. I held, had an open mind to whatever my heart was going to call me to. But had I been sort of really convicted and certain and said no because I was so burned out or whatever, yada, 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 I wouldn't have let it back in my life. And I wouldn't be able to be in doing this amazing project now with Highlight where I'm able to make crazy, awesome, cool impact with amazing teammates, people I love dearly, and work on real social 
causes. Like that really excites me. And so I feel like when our mind, if I kept my mind closed, like, nope, I'm only going to, I'm only going to not going to work in skydiving anymore, period. I'm not working in skydiving anymore, right? Because I was pretty convicted about that for a long time because I was so burned out and so needing a change, so needing a change. And so I did need that change for that length of time that I took it. And then I allowed that to change such that my mind stayed open to what I might be able to grow into, that how skydiving might be able to look new in my life too. And because of that, I have this wonderful opportunity that I love so much and I'm so grateful to be a part of it. So, I mean, I feel like that's just an example of where certainty can really block big possibility and opportunity for us. You're right on point. And you know, what's interesting there is the example from nature, once again, back on that topic of evolution and being resistant to change or being adaptable. And now, which creature is more likely to survive? The one that's yeah. more adaptable or the one that's more resistant to change? Oh, so good. So right? good. Perfect. It's al- yes. It's always the more adaptable being is the one that trains and is prepared for and does adaptability and does change all the time is the one that carries on with the changing environment. So there's where we leverage our strength in being welcoming change. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I think it's it's legit. It's really on point. And I acknowledge you for that too. Your open mind. Yeah, you might have had your sort of unconscious heels dug in relative to this change that you've made recently. But in the practice of, of trying to really listen to intuition, trying to keep your mind open and being willing to, to make change, you're now having a new life experience where you're feeling really free. You're feeling this big shift in energy. You only got that because of your willingness to make, to make change. Mm-hmm. Agreed, yeah. So speaking of making changes, um, can you please, so that I don't um, incorrectly state uh, there, there was a wonderful woman who passed this last weekend. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. P- p- say her name again. Uh, yeah, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Okay, so how much change did she make in society? Oh, my God. <sighs> what? what? Uh, wow. She inspires me so much. I could cry because she's so amazing. I have cried, by the way. <laughs> Certainly I've cried, but also feel really beautifully inspired by her example. I was reading a short list that one of your teammates shared yesterday um, just before bed, and I was like, wow, what a contributor. What a person who has, like, created change in the world around them and, like, left a mark that's like, here's how the world is different now after I was here. Mm-hmm. It's badass. It's so badass. And just for people listening, for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is an attorney. She's a Supreme Court justice. She worked her whole life to make an impact on gender equality in the United States and did. What is fascinating and equally inspiring to me about her approach is that she had sort of a vision And she sort of, she learned how the system worked in the sense that she didn't decide to take it on all at one time and eat the whole elephant. She really was, is a good example of, I'm going to do this case and I'm going to make an impact. And then I'm going to do this case and make an impact on what rights women have. Like, for example, women before Ruth Bader Ginsburg couldn't even have a fucking credit card. Part of my French. (laughs) You know, like women had to get, they couldn't even get a loan without like their husband or their father signing off on it. Crazy, like patriarchal stuff. And so, and this is just, there's so many things on this list. I really encourage everyone to Google her. You can obviously hear the energy and (laughs) tone of my voice as it rises thinking about her and what she did. But I loved that, at least piece, when we talk about change, she really saw and was persistent over decades to make this this systemic change for women in America. It's really, really, really amazing. I'm happy to hear your enthusiasm level 
because uh, I know how passionate you are about making change in the world and about how you're dedicating yourself in the same ways towards making an impact on how people think, whether it's on a one-on-one through life coaching or whether it's in a greater scale through mentoring uh, and gaining your voice and learning to be a speaker and all the pieces that come along with it. So I really wanted to give an opportunity for us to just have that topic on the table while it was still fresh Thank and, you. and powerful. And Thank you. I was just wholly impressed when I saw the short list. I was like, wow, that's, that's really solid. That's cool. And it inspired me. Like, I'm like, whoa, what am I doing to change the world around? Am I doing (laughs) enough? Am I doing something that's really going to have a lasting impact? Is it going Mm -hmm. to affect enough people that people are going to be different as a, as a whole after I'm gone? And how much time do I have left to get my ass moving to make sure I have a bigger impact? Because I want to make sure that I leave as much behind as I can. And then I'm like, damn, I've wasted so much time already. I should have been working harder. (laughs) The the magnifying glass of self-judgment never helps motivate. I will say that. But I will say. (laughs) (laughs) I'm burning. I'm like an ant. I'll stop it. I know. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly right. But I mean, it does. I mean, witnessing a person's incredible legacy can't not make us reflect on our own. I mean, I suppose plenty of people can hear that and not reflect on their legacy, but anybody who's doing anything relative to feeling connected to wanting to help others, even at the most basic level, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be systemic change for for societal impact, but I believe deeply in the one-on-one, as you well know, that and the ripple effect that can come from from single single efforts. I think back to to Mutley and him being nice to me, and that story I told about how he was really nice to me and just was inclusive to me and skydiving, and how that really motivated me. And it's not that he was the only one, but that's one example of a single person that made an impact. That ripple effect out of me was significant, you know what I mean, in terms of mentorship and inclusion and caring about helping young jumpers in our sport. But yeah, I mean, I think about even just the people I'm working with now with Highlight, I I could give two shits about history. I, I barely cared, right? But because of the the recent new connections and friendships that I've made and the impact that have that has come through that influence, I feel that now I actually really feel like I know what I'm doing as it re- like conversations as it relates to and, and impact as a white ally being in the conversation and being a, a support and an, and an actionable ally as it relates to race. I can Carolyn Chow has taken countless hours of her life to help me to learn and help me heal my blind spots and see what I didn't see and all of those things that we've talked about before as well. Those things really matter. And and like, thank you for acknowledging me for being able to learn to step into my voice around these more divisive, potentially sensitive topics, because that felt like a real major block for me, where I was I was stuck, you know, so again, if we go back to change, Sometimes the the shift and the actual breakthrough doesn't come for a while. You know, it doesn't come for a while, but we've made we're making incremental efforts toward a healing process or toward something we want to learn about. And then we're able to, when that opportunity comes, when I'm in the spotlight and I've got Good Morning America or fucking CBS the News interviewing me, I have done the work to be able to speak in the way that I now can. And that only came from me trying to make a change really incrementally over time in me. So I feel really, really convicted and strong about that. And I appreciate your reflection. And I am very honored to be a part of your journey on, on that, I have to say. And I will also acknowledge that um, this show, this Trust the Journey, is also a big piece of that evolution on both of our parts towards learning that skill set of being involved in having a voice, in contributing to society, and in wanting to have an impact, and, and wanting to relate and connect to people. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really proud of you, yeah. Andy. You're, you're and awesome. And being brave. 
<laughs> You're awesome. We're awesome, but w- everyone listening is awesome. I uh, I I've, I can't go not acknowledge that relative to the show as well. W- like for example, us having the conversation behind the scenes about when and how we were going to address our support of psychedelics as a healing avenue for people, right? Obviously not condoning or supporting anything illegal, but for informational purposes, similar to other people that we respect and follow in this space. But that was big, right? That took that took some effort from us to go, how do we want to be stands? Because we really we're feeling that into intuitively. We want to do this. We want to be vocal and public about our support of this change in our society. And I feel really, really great about that as well. So I want to reflect on something else that I've seen occurring and you just put the topic on the table. So I appreciate it because it was already waiting in my mind for the opportunity for it to come up. And you were talking about not trying to eat the elephant whole and mm-hmm. trying to take the little slice at a time and work towards change. And uh, the psychedelic sciences avenue is something that has had a elephant in the room um, energy about it, where for decades you just didn't even bring it up. Like if you were a scientist or a researcher or a therapist, you just didn't, if you said anything about psychedelics, you basically ostracize yourself from the main community and you're a quack, you know, you're, you're a drug user and you're no longer have any validity to your argument because you're speaking on something that's, um, taboo or there's another word I was trying to get to there and it didn't come up. Yeah. Um, and So another example of somebody who has brought an approach to making change with that slow slice by slice by slice is is Rick Doblin through the MAPS organization. Because I've spent some time really listening to where his work has been done and how it's it's been over 30 years that he's been working on this project mm-hmm. like 30 years of working on the same project to try and get people to be able to have the opportunity to try something differently to just change culture to like change how we're thinking about something so yeah. say hey this has a this is a medicine this can be a value this has a positive impact for people and to get from the point where we say if you mention this, you're a quack to this is absolutely a valid argument and the government is considering on changing our opinion about it and changing the status of things from illegal to legal and now calling it a met. That's a huge change, right? Yeah. And there's the thing that, like, okay, maybe it does take 30 years for that change to occur. But when you approach it from the right point of view, we can make the changes that are necessary. And so... Where am I going with this rant is I want to have anybody who's listening who really is trying to affect change in themselves or in the world around them to think about the fact that are you going to get the most powerful change by running out and trying to just like, you know, have a stance about something or are you going to have impact the most change about something truly cultural shift the change by approaching it in these same ways that we just showed in these examples of understanding the underlying system and recognizing the system is not going to go away. The system is not going to vaporize and disappear. You're not going to give the system a slap in the face and it's going to be like, I'm sorry, I'm going to do things differently because you got pissed off at me. The system's not going to do that. If you want to affect change in the world or in yourself, you have to go bit by bit by bit by bit. And it's a slow arduous process and getting all ranty about it throwing a hissy fit (laughs) it's not doing it it's Uh, not gonna do it yeah yeah and it's intelligent hard work it takes so much work it takes it really is in my experience bit by bit by bit and faith in the process honoring the emotions that we have when they come up honoring our fears acknowledging the setbacks you know what I mean because it's not like it's a straight path just because okay great I'm gonna listen to Jay and we're gonna go bit by bit by bit but because that's the way that I'll have a one single straight line of course duh that's not true either it's 
it's bit by bit by bit, including the times when we're like, fuck, everything I did is gone and it's I'm back to square one. That's just not real. I hear that a lot from clients where they're like, I'm back to square one, nothing has changed. That's just false because you have experience and this is a setback and this is a different experience than you were in before that other experience that led to this setback. So, yeah. You've totally made, there's a meme that's I've seen it plenty of times illustrated different ways and it's like you are here where you want to be is here and you're like direct path and it's like <laughs> it just squirrels all over the place you know and totally. it's like <laughs> it goes like that <laughs> totally and I, ironically there's a there's a a friend that I've made through the internet and I saw her struggle through an incident just last week she had a bunch of stuff stolen and it's exactly what you're talking about she's like she's on her path she's got her mission she's doing her thing and like yes i'm impacting in creating and doing what i want to do and then bam all the stuff gets stolen and everything's gone and there's this like like all this frustration but like now you're you're not back where you started you're not the beginning you're not worse off than when you are before you're at a new point on the path which could have never been a planned and now you're having to learn to be adaptable (gasps) Uh, and learning to be adaptable means you're the species that survives meaning you're the one that's evolving right and yeah and one word other word i really want this episode to include that i can't believe i haven't said yet but it's very relevant to what you just said about your friend and all of us and the ups and downs and the winding path is building resilience because change is so constant, because setbacks are so real and so constant, because progress is so real and so constant, it's if we ever get so attached to the progress and the feelings that we feel when we're in the good space and we don't have the skills to navigate the, the setbacks and the low times, we aren't as resilient as we can be to, to navigate the ever-changing nature of life. And I don't say this without... I, I, I don't say this like, I got it dialed. I'm so resilient. I just say it from the perspective of I am committed to building resilient skills as I live forward because I've so many times been like, fuck, I don't want to feel like this. (laughs) I don't want to be here. I want it to be different. Resist, 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 right? What we resist persists, all of these things. So anyway, resilience, I think, is a really powerful thing to bring consciousness to and to say okay cool that's a skill set I want to build okay great Mel how do I build that it's in the challenges where we actually build our resilient skills we only have the opportunity to build resilient skills when things are sucking so here's the thing about that whole journey that's just astounding to me continues to impress all of us you know I'm sure you have the exact same experience which is we set out on whatever journeys we choose for ourselves, and we create a set of expectations about what we think the journey is going to be like. And so we're like, okay, it's going to be this and I'm going to do that. And we're like, okay, we set these landmarks or these waypoints or these goals. And we think we know what we're going to feel or what it's going to be like to do it. But we kind of skip over all the ugly stuff because who would want to plan in all the ugly stuff, right? Like you feel like (laughs) if I were to think, okay, and part of the way I'm going to stub my toe and then I'm going to get stuck (laughs) on a cactus and then I'm going to break a finger or maybe I'm going to get sick. And and if you included all that in your planning, you'd be like, that's a stupid plan. But the (laughs) reality... The reality is because we set expectations for ourselves that are only good things, then we're like, we're setting ourselves up for disaster when it comes for like our, the reality of it. And so it is this resilience training. It is this like, oh, I I give myself this beautiful goal and you're like, fall on my face. I'm going to stub my toe on Tuesday. I'm going <laughs> to yeah, put it on your calendar. <laughs> I'm going to feel depressed on Friday, but I'm going to feel really good on the weekend. So, uh, I'm going to yeah. have a hangover. I'm going to be miserable. <laughs> I don't even call anybody. And I'm going to break up with my boyfriend. And... 
This is home. Oh my god. Jay, I feel like we've had a breakthrough. We have like got this totally new way of coaching people on how to make plans. This is not new. This is not new. You know how many times I've done this with students? I'm like, okay. They're like, all right, we're going to start here. And I'm like, what's your goal? Like, well, I'm going to go nationals in six months. And I'm going to be like, okay, but what about the injury you're going to have between now and then? And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah. You're going to get hurt between now and then because you're going to do something too much or you're going to forget to rest or you didn't stretch, you didn't plan, you didn't didn't work out, and then all of a sudden there's an injury. Totally. You're going to plan an injury? I'm like, (laughs) yeah, you're going to plan an injury. (laughs) Oh, so hysterical. So uh, I love it. One more thing I'm going to throw there because I actually retained this thought this whole time. Okay, do it. And you said resilience and resilience. The first image that comes to my mind is a tree. Trees are just the most amazing beings because they're so strong and they're so resilient. They're so flexible, but they're also so powerful. You think about a tree and how it'll just stand there for time. Like some trees will live almost four and a half, five thousand years. You know, to think about like you think about the time of Christ is like two and a half thousand years ago, and there's trees that have like been around twice as long as that. And they're just standing there the whole time, just blowing in the wind, just being flexible, but also having a set of of roots and a set of branches that allow them to receive and give. And so they've got all the things in balance, man. They're just one of my favorite creatures ever. Me too. The beautiful beings that are trees and their resilience is, is an excellent example. And I think it's a great place to leave our audience. I do too. Yeah. I do too. I love it. Hug a tree. Hug feel a its tree. Energy. Be Even like if you a just, tree. If you can go sit down next to a tree, lean your back against a tree, yeah. sit next to it, spend some time with yes. the tree. I do that. Highly recommend it. Uh, me too. Me yeah. too. And on that note, team, family, join us in the Trust the Journey family. Like we said at the beginning, trustthejourney.today. But really, Go hug a tree. Go sit by a tree. Go lean your back on a tree. And we love you so much. We fucking love you. We love you. Yeah. See ya next time. Bye.